Hello everyone, I'm Ronnie McBrayer, and you are listening to Keeping the Faith. On this podcast, you will find my regular talks, the occasional interview, hopefully a little light from the Enneagram time to time, and hear conversations with friends on the ever-changing, ever-evolving nature of faith. If you are burned out on religion, to quote Eugene Peterson's marvelous paraphrase, but faith is still important to you, or if you consider yourself a spiritual exile with no real place of belief to call home, then I have you especially in mind, and I hope you'll stick around. Keeping the Faith is brought to you without ads or commercial interruption of any kind, except for this one invitation. I have friends who are inspired by what they hear from Keeping the Faith, and those friends support my work. But you can support this podcast as well by buying me a coffee. Buy Me a Coffee is a tiny little link where you can throw a few bucks into my tip jar and keep me busy behind the counter serving up the best episodes I have to offer. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com slash McBrayer, and you can easily and securely donate to the cause. You can also go to my website, ronniemcbrayer.org, and click on Podcast. You will find several ways to lend a hand, and you can also choose your favorite listening platform, be it Apple, Podbean, or Spotify, so that you will never miss a single life-changing, day-making, death-defying episode. Thank you for being a regular listener. It's called a training area in the United Kingdom. It's called a training center in Canada. It's called a proving ground here in the United States. And that seems about right, doesn't it, given our collective swank? We have something to prove. There are two major types of proving grounds that we have here in the U.S. One is military, and one is automotive. On a military proving ground, what is being proven is weapons capability. For example, one of the largest military installations in the world is the Yuma Proving Grounds in Yuma County, Arizona. It's 1,400 square miles. And to give you some perspective, Eglin Air Force Base, in our own community here, is half of that. So it is a massive piece of property. And Yuma tests or tries out almost every conventional weapon in the United States military arsenal and almost all of our equipment. Helicopters, Humvees, trucks, tanks, artillery, parachute drops, landmines, missiles, you name it. There has been an army post in Yuma since 1850, and a hundred years later, after World War II and all the advances in technology, it became what it is today. The second type of proving ground, and General Motors has one of these right alongside the U.S. Army in Yuma, Arizona, is the automotive proving ground. There are dozens of these in our country, mainly in Michigan, where car makers take their performance vehicles and their new models and they put them through their paces. This is where safety is put to the test, where new ideas from the boardroom or the lab meet the real world, where advances in tire technology, driverless navigation, and new maybe 10-speed truck transmissions experience their trials and their errors. And you want these kinds of proving grounds. When you buy a car, a car that you are relying upon for safety, 
and you are putting your loved ones in that car and their lives will depend upon how well that vehicle operates, you need to know that it has been proven. When a soldier steps into a combat zone, he or she must know that the equipment they are relying upon will not fail. In this sense, proving is a matter of testing, confirming, validating. Accidents are bound to happen. There is that rare failure even after something has been proven. But proving grounds make it possible for greater consistency and much greater safety. It's why I think I prefer the British and Canadian names for such places. Training areas, training centers. That sounds like a good and positive outcome. Proving grounds sounds like there's going to be some trouble. Here in the South, there is a joke that arrives in the form of a question. What is a redneck's last words? I hear both the correct answers being given. Number one, watch this, usually preluded by hold my beer. When a redneck says that, and I love rednecks, they're my people, okay? When a redneck says that, something stupid is about to happen. Really stupid and dangerous and unapproved by OSHA in most cases. And you don't have to be a dumb redneck. And again, those are my people. You can be a sophisticated, well-educated, financially stable vacationer who comes to the beach and all this salt air makes them lose their mind. I can't tell you how many people I visited in the hospital emergency room when I was a chaplain who were here on vacation and they got on a bicycle for the first time in 20 years. Because they're on vacation in 30A summer traffic. They think with no previous experience and now with the body of Aunt Lucille that they can skimboard in the Gulf of Mexico. Let's rent a scooter. Let's go rollerblading at 60 without a helmet. What could go wrong? Everything. What is left? Broken clavicles, hip replacements, concussions, dislocated shoulders, hospitalizations, stitches, physical therapy, medical bills, ruined vacations. I've seen all of those things. And being the butt of family jokes for the next 15 years. That's what's at stake. And for what? Usually to prove something. Something foolish. What causes us to act like this. And I say us, for we've all been guilty of showing out. It's the constant companion I've been talking about over these weeks, this series of try something different, surrender. And that has been our theme. And if you ask in a word or two what it is that must be surrendered, it is pride and ego. And this doesn't necessarily mean that you're a blowhard narcissist trying to get everyone's attention. It could mean that, but that's not required. Sometimes ego is simply the inability to admit failure. 
Sometimes ego gets in the way when we have no business doing something in the first place, but we think maybe we could prove it. It's the refusal to let go. Even of those things or people that are hurting us. Sometimes ego is just the subtlety of overmanaging and fixing. Fixing sometimes being another word for I need to be in control. Sometimes ego just wants you to prove something. Everything in our nature sort of screams that out. Take charge of your life. Protect yourself and your interest. Never let others control you. Don't let anybody else tell you what to do. You know what is best for yourself, for everyone around you. Go show them that you aren't washed up or over the hill yet. And that's the ego talking. And yet the only way forward is to give this up. To surrender. Especially so when it comes to the things that cannot be controlled, cannot be solved, cannot be resolved, answered, or avoided. I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer gets right at it. German pastor, martyred in World War II. I've used this quote before. It, it seems more true every day. Quote, We live in a godless world. And we cannot cover up this godlessness with religion. Being a Christian means being a human being, the human being Christ creates us to be. We're going to have needs, questions, sins, failures, fears, but faith is allowing oneself to be pulled into walking the path that Jesus walks. I love that. And that is surrender. And Bonhoeffer differentiates between religion and following this path of Jesus. So let's talk about that today as we return to these words in Galatians of the Apostle Paul and connect his words and experience with the experience of his friend and his peer, Simon Peter. Now to Paul first, you might remember from last week that his early religious experience was some pretty fiery fundamentalism. We would call it extremism today, rightfully so. Convinced that he was doing the will of heaven, convinced that he was in God's service, he made a living by pursuing, arresting, jailing, and killing Christians. He would not have regarded those actions as wrong or even cruelty because he was convinced that God was on his side. Aren't we all? What happened? Jesus happened. And he is marvelously converted, saved from his religion. By the love of Christ. He says from our paraphrase, paraphrase today. Thank God for in coming to the end of myself. I've discovered a truly divine way to live. And then he speaks of that divine way. As being crucified with Christ. Identifying completely with Christ. My ego is no longer in charge. 
I don't live my life now to impress others or even God. Paul has surrendered the proving ground. He's got nothing left to prove. Because he's found a completely different way to live. A way that is light. A way that is liberating. A way that is about love and not about keeping the rules or policing what other people are doing. And I could say right now, amen, 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 thanks for coming today. Let's take up the offering, it's over. Because really that's all that needs to be said. We are not empowered to be Christian by our religion, our rituals, or our rules. We are Christians because we are in Christ. That's the phrase Paul loves to use. Scholars call it the Pauline mysticism. Doesn't that sound wonderful? 160 times in his letters, he uses that phrase about being in Christ. For him, that's what the life is all about. You might remember back a few weeks ago in Matthew, Jesus talked about those unforced rhythms of grace. Do you remember that? Yes? No? I said then that if, if I could have a theme verse for what I've been trying to do with my, my life for 30 years, it's that verse. I just want people to find those unforced rhythms of grace that God offers and, and to live a light, set free life in the love and light of Christ. That's, that's all, that's, it's a modest goal, but that's all I really want. But then it connects directly to this verse because this is the real power behind that Light, life of light and love. The Christian life is not something you work up. The Christian life is not something you achieve by trying harder or being better. The Christian life is simply, elementary as it is, but as difficult as it can be, releasing your grip, opening your heart, surrendering yourself, To the love and light of Christ. And if we can empty ourselves like that. Then the love that is God. The love that is Christ. Fills up all that empty space. And then as Paul says. We have the power. To actually live it out. In the words maybe of the old African American spiritual. Paul is saying. When he gets right down to it. Just give me Jesus. That will be enough. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. When I am alone. Oh Lord, when I am alone. Give me Jesus. When I come to die. Lord, when I come to die. Give me Jesus. That is enough. That's what Paul is saying. Now, with this in mind. We turn quickly to Acts chapter 10. Change of scene, change of setting, change of character. We go from Galatia to a village called Joppa. From a letter of instruction to a story from Paul to Simon Peter. Peter goes up on the roof to pray. And instead has a nap and a religious experience. I often, although I don't often have a religious experience... It's okay to do this. I often fall asleep when I'm trying to pray. Don't you? It's okay to admit it. Lord, this... 
That's it. And I just kind of take that as meditation. You know what I mean? Lord knows what I needed anyway. Needed a nap. That's what I needed. Peter goes up on the roof. And that sounds strange in and of itself. What's he doing up on the roof? Well, it's not a roof like we have. The, the rooftops of that day and of these type villages were flat. And having been on a rooftop in Joppa that sits by the Mediterranean Sea, it's a good place for a religious experience or a nap. The breeze coming off, the, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, and he has this strange experience. This sheet full of all these weird animals descends down from heaven three different times. And God is speaking about something that's going to change in Peter's life. And as a, as a complete aside, Dan Albers is pastor of King's Cross Church just down the street. He's my pal, and Garrett's pal, and Garrett's neighbor. And he was with me one time on one of my trips to the Holy Land. And Joppa had as much impact on him as it did me, I think, Joppa, outside of the Sea of Galilee, is like my favoritest, bestest, mostest, wonderfulest place in all of Israel or Palestine. So if I were to suddenly disappear from public life, and you come here one Sunday and say, what happened to Ronnie? Where did he go? He's disappeared. I might be there. And Dan and I had a plan before COVID that we, we were going to open a rooftop bar in Joppa that served nothing but non-kosher foods and beers and had a band, sort of like our church. And we were going to name it Three Sheets in the Wind. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's not going to happen one day. We've just been delayed. But if you are a venture capitalist... And you want to get in, I was going to say on the ground floor, if you want to get, on, get in on the first rooftop, see me after service, it's a plan. Anyway, we laugh about that, but you know that's really what's going on in this story. Old Pete looks over into that sheet full of non-kosher foods, oysters, scallops, pulled pork sandwiches. Kangaroo burgers, flank steak, lobster, crab claws. I like all that stuff, and I know you do. I like all that stuff, and I can eat all that stuff, but don't tell my doctor. I can eat all that stuff because I I am a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. I don't have religious restrictions on my diet. So God tells Peter, looking into this basket, this sheet full of all these crummy animals, Peter, get up, kill it, and eat it. And Peter says, no. No, no, Lord. No, God. I've never broken the dietary laws. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Bible tells me so. And when you've been told your whole life that the truth is this, And in a single moment of time, you were told, no, the truth is that. And the person telling you that the truth has changed is God. It's more than Simon Peter can take. It's why God has to keep repeating it. 
Because it's not about dietary laws anymore. What was about to happen in Simon Peter's life, if we were to keep reading in the text, there's going to be a knock at the door, and the man standing in that doorway is a Gentile that God has spoken to, who said, go get this guy named Simon Peter and bring him to your house, because I'm up to something new in the world. So what Peter was about to be asked to do was to accept people that he had always, always, always been told to reject. He was being asked to welcome into the kingdom of God a group of people that he had been told and God had said, don't have any dealings with them. They're unclean. And now the rules are changing. God was asking Simon Peter to change his religious and spiritual convictions. God was asking Simon Peter to disregard, disregard what he had learned from the inspired and holy scriptures his entire life and see it a different way. And that blows your mind. That's hard. It's hard to change your mind about your religious convictions. Well, wait a minute, Ronnie. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, God might have said it. But here, God is now unsaying it. Or maybe God didn't say it that way at all. Maybe we've just been told that God said it that way. Maybe our interpretation is wrong. Maybe there is more fluidity to belief than foundationalism. Maybe there is more mystery and movement to our convictions than surety and certainty. Maybe keeping the faith is more about staying on the path. Jesus as the way, you know. And a path is always moving. A path is always unfolding. A path is never still. I am saying that rather than being settled, we should be unsettled. And have the humility to admit that we might be wrong about some things. A lot of things. And the only way that we can ever hope to be right is to admit that where we are might be wrong. Because if you're convinced you're right about everything, you've got it all lined up and it's in your box and you taught it, it was taught to you in Sunday school and it, this is it and you put it in your pocket and you carry it around spiritually the rest of your life and you never go back and examine those things, you will never change your mind or beliefs about anything. And life, as Peter found out, doesn't work like that. If Peter had taken the God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it approach, we might not even be Christians today. This was about welcoming people that you had always kept on the outside. And so many times when we're talking about our own convictions and our own beliefs, it's our ego that's getting in the way. What we want are our particular interpretations of the Bible. <laughs> To be upheld and to be validated. What we want is our way of seeing things to prevail. And that's how Bible-believing Christians can become hard-hearted, judgmental, graceless religionists. It's how we, me, can become rigid and arrogant. 
We become sure and certain in what we believe. But being sure and certain in what you believe does not always translate into making you Christ-like, does it? There are tons of Christians in this world that are orthodox. And between me and you, they are just mean as hell. How does this not compute? How can we spend all this time studying about this man and studying these scriptures and come away with it more arrogant than when we began? I'm asking you today to let go of the scriptures as merely a religious book. I'm asking you to surrender it as the means of shaping sharper doctrinal statements. I'm asking you to stop building theological armaments that only entomb us in a never-changing, never-adjusting fundamentalism. The role of the Scriptures is not to convince us that we are right. The role of the Scriptures is to lead us to Jesus, that we would become like Him. So if we are more in love with our biblical interpretations than we are Jesus, if we are more committed to our religious viewpoints than we are becoming more like Christ, if we are more invigorated by taking a stand than opening our hearts and arms to all, especially those we have always excluded, then it's three sheets in the wind for us. And we have some business to do with letting go and surrendering, and we'll always have business in that area. I'm just learning that by sticking to all the old rules just keeps you stuck. That going with settled religion doesn't get you going very far. And resting in the knowledge how we have it all figured out prevents us from learning or living anything new. Holding core convictions can give us peace and confidence, but it can also get in the way of what God is up to around us. It's an unsettling way of looking at things. I know that, as it was for Peter, as it was for Paul. It can be a dangerous razor's edge that could blow up the certainty of everything you believe. Count on it, just as it did for Peter, just as it did for Paul. So what do we do? Where do we stand? How much should we jettison? What should we keep? How do we live with so much ambiguity and uncertainty? My friends, that is called faith. Not in our religious constructions, but in Jesus as that path continues to unfold before us. My only answer. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And when I am alone, Give me Jesus. And when I come to die, give me Jesus. You have been listening to Keeping the Faith, the podcast home of yours truly, Ronnie McBrayer. 
You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your socialization preference may be. At Ronnie McBrayer will get you there in either case. Visit my website at ronniemcbrayer.org, and there you can stay up to date. On my speaking schedule, books I have written, projects just over the widening horizon, and yes, you can find out more about me than anyone truly wishes to know. Thanks to Shutterstock Incorporated, located in New York City's Empire State Building, no less. For producing and licensing my theme music, Bobby Rains provides recording and technical expertise. Tim Riles created the Keeping the Faith logo and artwork. And Lynn Sunshine on My Shoulder Crow is credited with any and all photography. And as always, Toby and Mo, the two small wonder dogs that run my home, assisted with all editing. I'm Ronnie McBrayer. This has been Keeping the Faith, and I thank you for listening.